We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. From the state of boxing, curious to see what his thoughts are on Timofey Timofey Lopez. I think I butchered his name, but shouts to him, man. Big underdog over this past weekend, and he cashed in. He beat Lomachenko. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not the biggest boxing fan in the world. I'm more of an MMA guy. But when there's a headlining boxing fight, man, and it's it's must-see TV. Like, that main event was popping. It was super dope. And boxing needed it. It was nice to see them capture the eyes of, of the world, pretty much, with that, with that fight. So, from the state of boxing... Abner's American Dream, sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in on English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Deus, at The Lamb Show is where you can find me. 
my guest, who's becoming more of a co-host. Congrats. <laughs> Aaron, what up? How you feeling? You know, we, we spent about 15 minutes on the Packers last week. And you just you kind of just knew that that was gonna happen, bro. We we seen yeah. this before. Yeah, I it was a doozy. I feel like I'm a little bit cursed. Last week was a rough one for me going with the Packers, and then when you bringing up the Chiefs for for uh, Le'Veon Bell, and I was like, nah, man. It was last episodes got me looking rough, but you know it happens. Listen, that call was. I, I wish I would have had the podcast up earlier, but. That was that was a goat take. I'm gonna pat myself on the back because the boy had a rough weekend <laughs> from a DFS perspective, dude. You know, you know Julio Jones is my guy. Oh, the yeah. fact that he erupts for 39 DraftKings points, and I can't even capitalize on that. You know the new meme that's going around of Cam Newton when he's on the sideline and he kind of just like slouches down on his chair. Mm-hmm. Well, that was me when I see literally nothing else on my lineup do well. Speaking of which, Cam Newton, <laughs> thank you for the massive dud. Oh, man, that was rough, dude. It really, yo, it, it really, like, it, it depressed me yesterday. Pro, like, like a sports depression. I don't mm-hmm. want to get too crazy. You, you know what I mean? Like a sports oh, depression yeah. or when you have sports hate for someone. Oh, I feel you. Oh, that was rough, man. That was a rough one. But, dude, um, where do you want to begin, man? Why don't you lead the way? What do you What do you want to open up with from uh, week six? Any takeaways? I just feel like this week it it shook up a lot of. There's a lot of really good teams that don't quite look as good anymore. Like you know, they they're still contenders, but these are teams that are like. Oh, this is maybe a, a division winning lock or two in particular, like in the Packers and Ravens. Mm-hmm. Like I still believe in Green Bay, we'll get there, but like the Ravens to me at least, you know, looking not like last year at least, and then your Steelers are absolutely popping off. So there's some things that are, are getting shaken up. It'll be really interesting with the the games tonight once you see, you know, the Chiefs play and uh or wait, who is it? No. Yeah, yeah, Chiefs, yeah, Buffalo, Chiefs, Bills, and then the Cardinals yeah. and Cowboys. Yeah, j- yeah, yeah, good, good, good thing you mentioned that. It's about four o'clock Eastern time uh, in in New York. You know, the best coast, um, the the coast where everything is catered to from a time perspective. Um, just had to put that out there. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Taryn, over the weekend. He lives in Los Angeles. He was just telling me like, "Yo, bro, if you ever move, you got to come to California." I was like, listen, if I'm ever going to move out of New York, I'm not trying to pay the same amount of money for things. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, a great point. So I'm going to – I would. I always say that I would love to live in the West Coast just as a sports fan, dude, because mm-hmm. you just figure games start at 10 a.m., you know, 1, 1 p.m. for me out here in, in New York, uh, 12 o'clock for you uh, over there. And then, you know, before you know it, it's like Sunday Night Football ended last night and it was 11.40. It's like, all right, well, it's time to go to bed. Whereas mm-hmm. if you lived on the – I say this all the time, but if you lived on the West Coast, I was like, yo, I could still do something the rest of the night. Like I could go out, go and do something. So it's true. There was, there was that. I want to mention something that you talked about in passing, and I think we do that a lot. And this was something that won me money last year, Taryn, and that was not tripping over a couple losses or if a team didn't look – that good because of a particular game and i think you have to take 
all situations and and put them like in the pot when you're looking at things from a, a grand scheme of things. What I mean by that is I'm not going to sell my stock on the Packers. Uh, I'm not selling my stock on the Chiefs because they lost last week. And even if they lose tonight, like I think personally, I think Kansas City is the one team in the league right now. And they've developed some clout. They've developed some leeway with me where I think they're a team that could turn it on when they want to. And when they play a big opponent, they're not going to back down and they're not going to be worried about that opponent. I'm not going to sell my stock on Green Bay. I wish I would have known that Aaron Rodgers is like five touchdowns, eight interceptions in his career in Tampa Bay, the most random thing ever. Like yeah. the Bucks have his number. Uh, I wish I would have paid more attention to that. I really think they need to make a move for a wide receiver. I know Lazard is out. We've been talking about this for a while, and it was cute in the beginning. And maybe you could get away with that, bro, when you're playing, when you're playing a Detroit, when you're playing a Minnesota. Yeah. But again, staying with the idea of them getting a wide receiver, call Cleveland and get Jarvis Landry. This dude has become a bona fide number five option on his team, and it is upsetting. <laughs> because I've always been a Jarvis Landry guy. I can see him getting moved and having the same impact that Emmanuel Sanders had last year with the Niners on Green Bay. How do you feel about that? Does that get you a little aroused? Is it banging oh. on the bottom of the table or what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's blood moving to different places in my body right now. <laughs> thinking about that. I would love it. I mean, I've been on this train for what feels like centuries now, even though it's probably just been like a year, maybe two that we need to make a move for a wide receiver. As painful as a weekend as it was as a Packer fan, the one like little saving grace I had was that – actually, real quick, I have a question. Mm-hmm. How do you feel as a New York sports fan, like about the Giants in particular, about their media? It's, it's, it's softened up a little bit from what it's been in the past. It's not as bad as – the media in New York is really bad when the expectations are high for a team. Mm-hmm. So for the Yankees, they got killed because okay. the Yankees built this team and they wanted them to win a World Series. And then when they don't, it's like, yo, fuck everybody, fire Boone, fire Cashman, new ownership. Like, they get crazy. Mm-hmm. When the expectations are to be bad and compete for a top five pick like the Jets, like the Giants, uh, the Knicks, it's kind of just the headlines become more laughable than they become more critical. Okay. Okay. See, my I if there's a certain small section of media that I just like hate and it's not all of them, obviously I don't know all of them, but it's Green Bay Packers media. They're mm-hmm. writers and podcasters and radio hosts. They're just so unapologetically biased that the Packers can do no wrong and everything the front office does is correct. And, and they take victory laps after victory laps already, like every single week when the Packers are doing good, it's like, Oh, but we needed to draft a wide receiver. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. So it was a little nice, you know, to have some of them just kind of crawl back in their little hidey holes and not say anything. Um, But yeah, man, to, to answer your question, I also think that is a move we should make. But I feel like it's just as it was just as prevalent of an issue last year, and they didn't make it make a move. You know, maybe there's 
it's different depending on who's available and maybe if they think the team is better. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not selling my stock on them, but it was, it was tough to watch. Yeah, that, that kind of media is always frustrating, right? Because on the flip side, you understand them because they cover the team and maybe the team pays them. So it's like, oh, I can't be too critical. That's why I think podcasts have really blossomed into the media that it is because, you know, if you have a podcast with the New York Post, you can't be too critical of the Jets and the Giants because yeah. there's affiliation there. We're like, you know, I, I've been I've been saying the Giants suck cock for fucking <laughs> 18 months now. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just it, it's a different media. And that's why I think this this boom is really happening in, in podcasting and also going into the net Netflix and Hulu world of just society. Podcasts are on demand. You know, it takes me three days to listen to a podcast sometimes like a Joe Rogan or a Bill Simmons when they have these long form conversations or I might be exaggerating, but it might take me a full day. It's like, yo, I'm going to go out on a run. I'm going to listen for about 45 minutes. I'm going to come home. I'm going to chill. Then I'm going to go take a dump. I'll have it on then. Like it, it's, it's the on demand aspect, which is why um, it's just continuing to boom and boom. Uh, just went off on a tangent there on, on podcast, but to bring it back to what you were saying about the people being critical, not being too critical I think that's what it has to do with like there, there might be some, you know, maybe Rogers does a hit every week with some radio station, mm -hmm. right? Like how critical can they be? Rogers might be like, yo, yeah. fuck this man. I'm out. Remember, I don't know if you had, you had caught on to this, but WFAN in, in New York halftime of, uh, sorry, it wasn't that it was some radio station out in Boston and, this was when the whole Brady kissing his th uh, his son saga went down. And the radio host kind of made a joke, not to Brady, but like during that thing. Like, and then he made a comment about it. And then Brady called into the show like he does every week. And he's like, hey, man, listen, I heard what you said about me and my kid. I don't want to talk this week. And they were like, okay. And he was like, yeah, you know, I, I give you guys about 15 minutes a week in the middle of the season when I don't talk to anybody. And, yo, you've never heard this? No. Oh, dude. This was like, I'm pretty sure this made like national media, like it got national media coverage. So hmm. you know how like, I'm sure Rogers in Wisconsin has like a show that he hops on every mm -hmm. week. Like mm -hmm. he has a spot. Like Eli Manning used to have Tuesday at 4 o'clock on ESPN radio throughout the season. Yeah. Right. Like, and Brady heard these comments from these dudes. And then he was like, hey, man, I didn't appreciate that. I give you guys my time. And then for you to do that was a slap in the face. I don't want to talk this week. And then I don't think he talked to them the rest of the week, year. That's so, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, sometimes you get checked, bro. And yeah, that, that's what happens. But yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's how I feel about the media not being too critical and like the victory laps, you take the victory laps early. That's something that I've, I'm still struggling with at, at certain points. Like I might react to something over four weeks as opposed to one week, like I've done mm -hmm. in the past. That's why I'm not like selling stock on, on green Bay, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that all makes sense. It's, and I'm sure it's some of that and I'm probably just a little bit too, you know, nitpicky. It is my team after all, but it's like, 
it's okay to say like, oh, maybe they should have drafted. You know, it's not. You don't have to be like, yes, everything they do is the right decision, and I will not hear otherwise. And that's kind of what it seems like sometimes. It just irks me. All right, you mentioned my Steelers, and if we're going with that, bro, I am down. You know, like I haven't rooted for a team that's five and zero in years. So <laughs> sign me up. Look, Pittsburgh. Uh, brutal injury to Devin Bush. Um, I loved him coming out of college. I thought he was exactly what Pittsburgh needed. I strapped a lot of rookie of the year financial investments on him. Um, having him come in second to Nick Bosa, which was the right decision. But man, he is the guy who with Minka Fitzpatrick there and and Hayward and TJ Watt, Dupree, I think to the Steeler fan, like I was talking to my buddy Danny, I was talking to my buddy Nick from Rochester, and they were just telling me like, man, that's going to suck. That's because if you remember the story going into that draft and that selection was you always heard about the Steelers' defense with Ryan Shazier, and then when he went down, how, like, the splits were. They were a top-five defense with him, and then without him, they're, like, 23rd, right? And then Bush really, like, locked shit down for them, and he was yep. the leader of the defense. He called the plays, too. I think one of the more impactful injuries uh, of the season, in my opinion, through six weeks. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, it's a big blow to them having that guy that, like you said, captain of the defense. Um, he's got the side-to-side ability. He's got the downhill ability. He can really do it all, and it's perfect just right in the middle, you know, keeping that solid where Minka's got the back end locked down um, with that secondary, and then the front, the front seven is super strong with all those guys you mentioned. Um, plenty of pass rush, just abil- um, the ability to move the line of scrimmage. It was like the – it sounds like less important than it is, but it was kind of like the icing on the cake, you know, that for a defense that's got talent all over the place. It was now there might be a weakness, you know, in, in the middle there. Um, I still think it's really good, but I, I don't disagree with you that it's one of the more impactful injuries for a team, especially one that's 5-0. and Yeah, 5-0 and on top of their division. Um they still have a game to make up because they had the bye week incident, um, uh, the COVID scare, I should say. It's also important to note that they have probably the marquee game of the week coming up, just to look ahead a little bit. They play the Titans. Um, I don't know what Sunday night football is this week, but, man, can we get a little flex? <laughs> like, why? Let me, let me pull up the schedule right now so I'm not talking on my ass. Come on, man. Bucks at Raiders. I get it. Three and two versus four and two, as opposed to you have Steelers and Titans. Well, we're going to learn a lot about your Steelers the next couple weeks. I think they have Ravens the following following week. So they've got a tough week, couple weeks coming up. Yeah, the Steelers play at Tennessee. Then they play at Baltimore. Then they play at Dallas. Ooh. So that is, yeah, you're going to, this is gut check time. If you could leave this, if you could leave this three-game stretch tearing and you fall to seven and one, 
right? Or even like six and two, I think you have some leeway where, and like you're competitive, maybe you lose one of these games by a field goal or something. Mm -hmm. Like this is, you're right. This is going to be the biggest test that they've had because let's be honest, they beat the Giants, they beat the Broncos, they beat the Texans, they beat the Eagles, they beat the Browns. The only silver lining here is that they're actually like, they're covering all these games too. You yeah. Know? So it's like they're they're beating these teams rather convincingly, which makes me feel a lot better for this take. But man, I was high on Pittsburgh coming into the year. Ben looks tremendous. Like, yo, comeback player of the year right now. Who would you pick? Alex Smith. Wow. Yeah. I know. I'm a, I know. No, I'm a, no, I'm I know. Softie, I know. But I gotta. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. I didn't even think about that because I was thinking of a guy like producing on the field. Yeah, and and which is probably how you should think of it. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe if it's just because it's Alex Smith. Like I, I've always kind of liked the guy. It's just even if he like, you know, depending on what happens with maybe Big Ben and there's a couple other uh, like candidates by the end of the year. But yo, know, Alex Smith could like play not play another snap and i would say he should be in the discussion at least just coming back off of like losing his leg almost is is absurd to me yo i didn't even think about that dude and you're you're right you could see it already right like the sentiment of him coming back and oh my god they're gonna show the video of him getting his leg fucking ah it's just so gruesome every time i talk about it it just reminds me of it but yeah okay alex smith aside wouldn't (laughs) it be big ben though yeah yeah, I think so. That one makes the most sense to me. Um, I'm trying to think. I can't think of anyone else. If you factor in how well his team is playing, and then how he's playing, yeah, yeah and at the at the position, makes sense. What else stood out to you this past weekend? Hmm. I want to know your take on the – there's a couple teams, actually, but I want to know your take on the Eagles being a division rival. They still lost, but Carson Wentz doesn't look as dog water maybe as he did before. They only lost by two to the Baltimore Ravens, who are a good team. Do you think that now with it still being early in the season, if they're starting to get right – and Dak Prescott going down, they could come back and win this division? Or is it just kind of still the Cowboys run away with? Running away with is a stretch. For as much <laughs> as I think Andy Dalton is more than capable, arguably a top three backup in the league, and I love the fact that he's been a starter. And, again, context is everything. you got to factor in Ezekiel Elliott. Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, an above-average of, uh, defense, uh, offensive line. Yep. So this is the most talented roster that he's ever been a part of. So I personally don't think, sure, the ceiling is capped for them putting up 40 spots, but I still think that he could win a lot of games with them. Yeah. However, the Eagles are not toast. Hell, the Giants are not toast for as bad for realistically i think they're they're toast but i'm saying like you look at the division they're they're one game out and they still got to play a game against the cowboys the eagles and cowboys got to play each other twice i gotta say i felt good watching carson Wentz yesterday 
Mm-hmm. And I know I'm a big truther of him. My friends cut my ass. They're like, yo, you need to stop with the Carson Wentz <laughs> shit and the Julio shit. Like, it's done. But, man, there was a third and 22 play as I watched the game pass this morning. There's a third and 22 play, Taryn, where he's pinned down, like, inside their 10-yard line. And he throws – I mean – the Ravens defense isn't as good as it was last year, but the secondary is still elite. It's probably the best secondary in the league. Dude, he throws a ball like I mean, if you're watching this video, if if the phone is my is the ball, dude, it landed like right here on I think Hightower and he drops it. Probably scores a touchdown from like their nine yard line. And then mm-hmm. there's there's another play to Miles Sanders in the red zone right before halftime. Just yep. drops the ball. He loses I feel like he lost it in the sun, but still. And then there's a there's a bad drop to Greg Ward, who's the number one receiver on that team. So, and look, they came roaring back, right? It was it was it Baltimore just being like, ah, yo, we got this in the bag. We were up three touchdowns the whole game, and we made it closer than it appeared. So, I don't think Philly's toast. I think this division, like, yo, six and ten might win it, dude, or yeah. or, or or six six nine and one being Philadelphia, they desperately need some guys to come back. And Wentz is going to have the Giants this week. They play them on Thursday. Yo, not for nothing, bro. Giants defense is not bad. It's it's top 10 in QB pressure rate. It is James Bradbury. Listen, no one else is going to do it. Defensive player of the year. Had an interception over the weekend, too. Just locking down stud wide receiver. Yo, he's not locking down jobbers. He's locking down like Amari Cooper, Terry McLaurin. Uh, Fuck, I put up the tweet, but it was like, yo, in coverage, Juju even in coverage. Like, I know Juju went off for two touchdowns, but they're talking about PFF and and you know this. They narrowed it down to the specific matchup, and he's been lights out, bro. He's been phenomenal. So no one's going to call for James Bradbury to be Defensive Player of the Year. But old Dirty's definitely going to be swinging that fucking flag left and right. But I think I think the Eagles, man, they're they're not toast. Um, we're going to see tonight, right? Like maybe Dalton comes out and throws five touchdowns, and then you're like, "Yo, should they pay Dak?" Because you know that's going to be the talking yeah. point, right? If he throws for three hundred and three touchdowns and they win, and the offense doesn't skip a beat, they're going to be like, "Well, this is why you shouldn't have paid Dak, and Dak's an idiot for not." It's mad annoying. Like talk. Sports talk radio has really become. Have you noticed this over the years? It's become what's the craziest headline I could say? Oh yeah, let's run with it. Yeah, let me let me get these clicks. Let me get the views. Whether I believe what I'm saying or not, whatever gets the eyeballs on me is is what kind of seems like leaves their mouth sometimes. But you know, it's the world we live in, unfortunately. Yeah, it's the it's the hot take culture and the hot take society. Um, all right. I want to mention a couple of other, other things. Um, I really liked how San Francisco looked offensively last, uh, last night. Mm-hmm. Um, man, George Kittle, where is he for you? I know you like these kind of uh, talking points, especially when I throw them out of nowhere. I do. Where is George Kittle as far as most valuable offensive players in- Quarterbacks excluded. Hmm. And whenever I do these lists, Taryn, I factor in what he means to their team and where he is as far as, like, at his position, which George Kittle's the best tight end in the league. I think 
he's officially like the last I'd say ten games that he's played, he surpassed Kelsey. I was still holding on to Kelsey, but now I think it's just like gotten to the point where Kelsey eats on that offense because there's not I shouldn't say that there's a lot around him, mm-hmm. whereas Kittle is the guy in San Francisco. And it's like, yeah, I'm still going to put up 7, 105, and 1, like, regardless. Yeah. Um, I, easily the best tight end in football for me as well. Easily might sound a little disrespectful to Travis Kelsey. He's great and easily number two for me. But it's just he can do everything that he can do and sometimes better. Uh, he's a better blocker. He has a worse quarterback. It's, it's pretty clear when you look at it that way. But that is a great question. He's up there, man. Because for me, always, if we're talking about the most valuable offensive players that aren't quarterbacks, it's never going to be a lineman because even the greatest ones, you know, the line's kind of like a sum of its parts. You Mm. need need five at least average linemen to be good. So it's going to be a pass catcher of some sort. Um, which he is, even though he's a wide receiver, like a lot of people will think that tight ends aren't as valuable. And I would agree to an extent, unless you have a tight end like him, he's basically a wide receiver. Like you said, he's their wide receiver one. He's their, the guy, you know, that's who you have to stop. If you play their, that team, man, I'm trying to think like it's, it's tough on the spot. It sounds a little cop outish to be like, maybe he is the most valuable, but I'm struggling to think of a guy that's more important for their offense with like a bad, because I don't really like Jimmy G either. Like, I don't think he's great. So I think that makes Kittle more valuable. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to think of other situations like that. Like you've mentioned Devonte Adams in, the, in a similar light before. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you take away Devonte Adams, you still have Aaron Rodgers at least where if you like mm-hmm. take away a Kittle, you have a Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm not sure where I put him, but it's up there. I would, because I can't even think of anybody else at the moment, I would say at least top three, top five. Do you ask because you also have him very high in that sort of ranking? Yeah, I was just thinking about it yesterday, man. As I'm watching that game, I couldn't help but see just how – dude's a stud, right? Like, yeah. I know I'm real hot take, uh, <laughs> but – it's just like everything just goes through him. And I like, I feel like that really shows how elite you are when you don't have Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Hardman, and, and CEH, and like throwing Le'Veon Bell into the mix now. And it's like, yo, I'm the focal point. And I like Debo. I've always been a Debo guy from his time coming out in college. Ayuk is still a rookie who. They haven't really unleashed them. Like, I get the end arounds and shit. And, yo, that's another thing, dude. How many fucking end arounds do you see in the league? That shit is so frustrating. Are you a fan of those plays? It all depends. Um, if you have the personnel to do it and matchup dependent on defense, I do. <sighs> but I think sometimes teams just do it because they're like, well, this is the cool new Shanahan thing to do. So we'll just do it, even though we don't have the personnel and we're going against the defense with real fast linebackers and stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't mind it. You sound like you're on the other side of that. I mean, dude, like it's cool to run it like once, but when you're running it, they I watched the video of they were kind of trolling Debo Samuel like, 
it's it's great to see quarterback and wide receiver one having such great chemistry and it was like four for four on targeted <laughs> passes for Debo and it's literally the shit we were complaining about of catch the shotgun and just toss it in front yeah. like it's a lot of that and I don't know man I I just don't like I don't like offenses that run those plays like the end around never it pops like once and I feel like it's it's one of those situations when you know and you see it a lot happen in betting right like people are still not betting against Jacksonville because they won outright against the Colts week one and people have that in the back of their mind it's Mm -hmm. like public perception you're like well that's a good team they beat the Colts now look at the Colts they're sitting at a nice record of four and two and then Jacksonville's one and five, but it's like, well, Jacksonville sucks, bro. This was a team we thought was going to come in and win fucking two games at best. So like, why is our opinion skewed so much? Right. And with the end around, it's like, fuck the giants run it three times a game to Evan Ingram. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah. That's one of the most disappointing things this season. Evan Ingram has become a, a blocking tight end and he's basically Jason Witten at 36 years old now. Yeah. That's just not how you use them. I get, I get your what you're saying with the end around thing. I think it, more importantly, even kind of now that I'm thinking about it more than what I just said is, I really like it when offenses, and this might sound trivial to you know the super football fans like you and I, one formation or multiple very very similar formations and just a lot of different stuff out of it. So if you're in a formation where you're doing certain things, the wide receiver emotion over and over again. And then all of a sudden, like the 10th time out of that formation, you hit an end around when everything else has been like a pass concept to the other side or something. Then, you know, that's the purpose. But sometimes I feel like teams are just like, well, let's try to do something crazy. Just throw this in there. New formation, just like completely, they can see it coming. And that's when it's just like, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it just, it's gotten out of hand. It's a little too ridiculous for me. Uh, I don't like it. Not a fan of it once or twice for the element of surprise. But when it's like, you're supposed to run that play once every five weeks Mm -hmm. just to keep a defense honest and to have tape on it to be like, well, you know, there's a possible, but when you're running it every week, it's like, well, there's no more surprise here, bro. You're kind of just running this shit and it's, it's just trash. I hate it. I hate every minute of it. It's it's annoying. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to give you what you need to be ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I asked you about George Kittle and where his value is. Uh, What about the aforementioned King Henry, Derrick Henry, continues to defy the odds, right? A running back that big with that much of a workload. You know, I thought he wasn't going to justify a 
first round pick this year. Cause I was like, well, you know, he starts off slow. That's always been the talking point around him, right? Like, you know, buy low on Derrick Henry in your yearly leagues until maybe like week seven or eight. But it's like, nah, this year we, he just got paid in the off season. And they're like, you know what? We understand what the shelf life of a running back is. Um, quite frankly, we don't care because right now we have a team that we feel is very, very good. And he's the main focal point of our offense. He's 26 years old. Um, he And I mentioned that because, like, this workload, eventually it's going to catch, catch up to him because it just is. Like, you can't get 400 touches a season and expect it not to. But on the flip side, and this is where my question is for you. Sure. Every now and then, man, come these athletes that just defy logic. Is he one of them at the running back position? And listen, I know that's a hell of a question. I, I Does he it. defy logic? Yeah, like what I mean by that is like, yo, look, 2019, 300. This is regular season only. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, 300 carries. Um, I don't have what he did in the playoffs. But then, you know, receiving, he had 18 catches. So you're looking at like 320. And I know that he had back-to-back 30 carry games in the playoffs, both against New England and Baltimore. So you're, you're pushing close to like 400 touches there um his size is to inflict punishment and he's just like ragdolls motherfuckers left and right just stiff arming and shit but you know you just look at him and i think it's i don't think we've seen we've seen something like this at the running back position size speed strength power um yeah we're gonna stack nine in the box but it don't matter we're still giving it to him yeah I mean, physically, as far as a specimen goes, like he's just a house and Mm -hmm. is so fast. It's really funny. He's Derrick Henry is my favorite running back in football. Let me say for transparency, Um, not named Aaron Jones, I guess. Yo, yo, let me just cut you off real quick. So no, 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 no. My buddy Marco in our group chat for fantasy just goes, how does he outrun people? Because it's like, yo, you look at Derrick Henry, and the last thing you would think of is a guy that could rip off 80-yard run, 90-yard runs. And he's done it now three times in the last three seasons. He's banged out a 90-plus-yard run. And when you look at him and you just judge a book by its cover, it's like, all right, well, this guy's going to be a a clone of Brandon Jacobs. Yep. With, right? Like, you're just going to. You know, third and one, you're going to give it to him, and he's going to get it 90% of the time. But it's like, nah, bro, this guy is just outrunning people. Yeah, that's and that's exactly what I was going to say. They'll, my friends will ask me the same shit. I'm like, you guys, he is huge. I get it, but he is very fast. Like, I know it doesn't make any sense. And when you watch it, he doesn't even look fast. I think it's just because he's so massive. It's kind of like uh, like prime Gronk a little bit, how he would always mm. be a little faster than he looked because he was so big. And it's just long strides and powerful-ass legs, tree trunks of legs that push you forward really quickly. Um, it's Yeah, like a guy that size normally would be used how the Packers used Eddie Lacy. Like just, you know, but this guy's out here catching screens and like you said, taking balls 99 yards to the house. It's, it's wild. I love Derrick Henry. Well, I also think... His success has really skyrocketed 
since Tannehill came in. And I, I put out a tweet, and people said I was drunk. People said I was crazy. But, dude, his last 16 games, last 16 games he's played, 31 touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes has 29 touchdowns. Oh, boy. I know where this right? is going now. <laughs> These blind, blind resumes. Dude, Ryan Tannehill is a top five quarterback in the NFL, and I don't think people feel comfortable having that conversation. And he, like, it's weird, right? Because I don't want to start him in fantasy. I don't want to put my money into him from a DFS perspective. But it's like, yo, his pass attempts are never going to skyrocket to 40, 50 attempts. They don't need to, no. especially with how efficient he is. Like, yeah. he's completing. I don't know what his completion percentage is, but off the top of my head, I'd have to guess it's like over 65. It seems like he's just – it's like 18 for 26, three, 300 yards, three touchdowns. It's like a lot of those kind of stat lines. So he's very efficient. And, yo, I kind of like some of their weapons. Like, A.J. Brown is a certified stud. Uh, John U. Smith really was – he was a guy who the, I feel like the fantasy community was on before real NFL people were on because even when they used to have Delaney Walker, whenever Delaney Walker would miss time, it'd be like, yo, start John U. Smith, play John U. Smith on DraftKings when he's the minimum price or on FanDuel, and he's going to play well. And I think Tannehill's sort of ascension to being a top – five to ten quarterback in the league in my opinion has really opened up for derrick henry oh yeah i'm with you that's why i was anyone if watching this on video i was very adamantly shaking my head when you started bringing up the Tannehill stuff um it's it, it's tough because we like this is a sample size sport and in small sample sizes season to season there's only 16 games like it can be really tough but with a player that has been in the league for multiple years now and average or bad for most of them, it's really hard to come around to, you know, it's different than just saying, okay, he's like playing pretty good now. He's mm -hmm. playing at like a top tier, like you said, a top five level. So I think that's why it's hard for people to grasp. Even me, like I, I still struggle to actually say the words. He is a top five quarterback. I'll still default to the, He's playing like a top five quarterback, you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, he's easily the most important part of this offense. And I think the combination of him and the offensive line, which RIP Taylor Lewan, I, don't, I haven't heard if it's officially a ACL tear, but everything Ooh, pointed yeah. that it was very likely that that is what it is. That's a, that's rough for them. That really hurts. Um, well, also, if you factor in that they lost their tackle last year in free agency, too. So now you're going into the mid midpoint of your season without the two tackles that played in the AFC title game last year. So that's that's another wrinkle that you could throw yeah. in. It's, it's really important um, and a big loss for them. Hopefully, it doesn't get too bad um, up front. And... It's funny because you like segued into the Derrick Henry stuff off of the George Kittle value. And I just, I mean, saying Derrick Henry's praises, Ryan Tannehill on the offensive line is why he produces so much. Now he's a freak, like we said, and in football, there's always going to be the I'm bigger, I'm faster than you, and that will get you 
some like production, but I don't think he's very valuable to this team. That might be a hot take, but I think they'd be pretty much just as good with a, an average running back. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I disagree. Um, because I get what you're saying about now Tannehill has been an upgrade from Mariota and whatnot, but I do think the offensive line also benefits from having a guy like Derrick Henry where their numbers might be skewed a little bit because he breaks tackles, because he's so big and so fast and so explosive, where maybe they rank better than they actually are, and he could cover up a couple of things. Like a hand tackle, you're not going to get him down with a hand tackle where you know maybe a linebacker busts in, but he has a bad angle, and he goes to hand tackle him, and he can break through it. So from that perspective, I I would disagree. Um, I get that. I don't necessarily think – maybe I should clarify a little bit. I don't think their rushing attack would be as good. Like there's – even though I'm in the, you know, running backs don't matter, quote-unquote, camp, um, just because their value to me is really low – there is a skill difference, and I think he probably makes the rushing attack a lot better, a lot better even than a normal and average running back would. But I think the team's success doesn't it doesn't matter that much. It's not as big of a difference where they'd still be able to run the ball because the passing game's so efficient, and I think teams would be scared of that. But even if not as much then maybe they don't run the – that's the one thing I hate about the Titans is how much they run the ball, even with Derrick Henry. Like, this – Ryan Tannehill is killing it. Just let the man on cork. Do we got to run the ball a thousand times? It feels like the Seahawks sometimes. Before – pre this year, pre let Russ cook year, where it's like run, 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 save me. It's, it's, it's a little bit of that. And I'm like, yo, just maybe just air it out a little bit. I hear you. I hear you. I think it's still a – they don't want Tannehill to ruin anything for them. Like, yeah, is he a game manager? I think that's a fair criticism, but I think he's starting to surpass that. And especially when he has a guy like A.J. Brown. Um, I mean, you know, from week 10 on last year, there was not a better receiver in football. Yeah, he was Like across it. the board, he was just on fire. It was either 100 yards or a touchdown or both. <laughs> so – and even Corey Davis was starting to become a thing. I know he didn't play last week because of COVID, but he was starting to – I mean, he's nowhere near justifying when they took him in the draft, but starting to be like, yo, an important piece where you got to respect him out there. So that's how, that's how I feel about that. Um, okay, last little bit of uh, sort of tidbits and talking points. Um, we didn't see Seattle. We didn't see the Saints because of the bye weeks. We haven't seen Kansas City. We haven't seen Buffalo. Um, we got to see the worst football team we've ever seen. Like, how bad are the Jets, bro? I was just thinking about that today. Like they, they have become, like, really unwatchable. <laughs> yes. And NFL, NFL. Nine games in 1 p.m. window, then a 4 o'clock game, and then 4.25. Like, dude, what the f- – and that 4.25 game is is Green Bay and Tampa, which I get you wanted to spotlight it as game of the week and whatnot, but we couldn't get like two – you couldn't throw Bengals and Colts or maybe like uh, – maybe you throw in like New England, Denver. 
into four o'clock window. Like, fuck, I didn't even watch Red Zone yesterday because both games were on like local television, right? Because they always show the Jet games and then America's Game of the Week, everyone saw the Tampa Bay and Green Bay game. Like, schedule makers, what's going on? How do you feel about the schedule layouts like that? Oh, the Jets have no business being anywhere other than that first slate, the noon for 1 p.m. for you. Um, <laughs> I think I have a conspiracy that they did that on purpose so that more people watch the game of the week. Like with this, how I was Packers, Bucks, and then and then the Jets game, they're like, yo, everyone is going to watch the Packers, Buccaneers game. And we get all the eyes on there, inflate the ratings because it's not split between two games. That's my conspiracy theory. Because otherwise, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kind of makes sense, right? Because now the NFL could turn to maybe sponsors or higher-ups or even when they play the ratings game. Like, well, football's not dead. Look at this. 30. We got a 30 rating that equates to a Super Bowl or whatever dumb shit they would bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. I like that. I like that. I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I'm a sports conspiracy guy. I kind of yeah. I kind of fall into those. You know what I'm saying? My buddy Dylan talks to me talks to me about fucking aliens all the time. <laughs> but there there's some people that like conspiracies. The Jets, right? I guess I guess this might become a conspiracy of some kind. Minus 110 in net points this year. No other team surpasses 56. So almost double that. Um that's a good indicator to just how bad your team is. Joe Flacco is now playing quarterback for them. Uh, I feel bad for Jamison Crowder. Yo, Green Bay. Anyone. Throw us a bone. I don't even care. How about this for a conspiracy? Jets get the number one pick. Um, Trevor Lawrence is like he's minus 2,000, meaning $2,000 wins you 100 to be the number one pick. Trevor Lawrence talks with his agents, talks with his family. Oh, my God, we're excited for you to be the number one pick in the draft. We're so happy. This is what you worked for. And then he's like, no, I'm going back to college, playing out my last year. I'm not going to the Jets. Jets get scarred once again. Peyton Manning 2.0. Peyton Manning, famously, the Jets got the number one pick. And he was like, nope, I'm going back to college. I'm not doing this. Do you buy that at all? Is that something you could see be possible? Is it something that you're, has crossed your mind? Like, where do you, am I crazy? Like, where do you land on this one? You're not crazy because, like, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, come on, Trevor Lawrence does not want to play for the Jets. He's gonna, you know, say whatever, but, like, you know, in his mind, he's, like, somehow like trade out of that pick or so like this is not where i want to go and he knows like he's got to know that right now he's projected number one pick like these the players know these things my concern is how do we know that like what are the odds that the jets have the first pick next year what are they going to do to fix this team right now in a year where it's like to make them that much better like it's it wouldn't be a lock but there's a good chance they have it back to back with how bad they are Yo, can you imagine he does this <laughs> and then they get the number one pick next year too? And then it's like, hey, man, you can't do this shit again. <laughs> then he would have to do another thing, staying in the Manning family and be like, yo, I'm not playing for them. You got to trade me. Or like, that's what he should do. do. I think that's what he should do this year. Man, it's 
my, my buddy Eric in our group chat, he's, he's a Jet fan. Like, uh, I would say the majority of my friends, Taryn, are Jets fans as opposed to Giant fans. Boss, Eric, Marco, uh, Impy is a, is a Jet fan too. Uh, I think for my group of friends, it's like me, Dylan, Joe, and Espo. Like, whenever the Giants do well, he'll be like a Giants fan kind of. <laughs> Oops. But – my buddy Eric is like, yo, who the fuck cares if, if Darnold, if Trevor Lawrence comes here, we're, we're going to ruin him anyway. All right. It's like the same shit. We kind of felt the same way about Sam Darnold. Maybe not to that can't miss prospect, but he was clearly the best prospect in that class coming out. Like at the time it was, well, there's no way he's not going number one. Right. And then, and then Baker goes to number one to Cleveland. So, and the jets have kind of ruined him too. So man, it's, uh, it's tough sledding there if you're a Jeff fan. Yeah. Well, we'll say, I guess that was a little harsh saying maybe what they, that's what he should do. I don't think they'll ruin him. If they'll just, if they could get rid of Adam Gase, that helps. Why does he still have a job? Well, I think because if you're ownership and you're the front office, he's probably your best asset right now. <laughs> yeah. It's keep the tank alive. It's a good yeah. Point. You just, you just leave him in there and you say, yo, you know what? Look, there's going to be a down year for us. We get it. We understand. But why fire him? Why fire him? And then you have something like what's happened with Houston and with Atlanta, two teams that fire their coaches. And then all of a sudden they're like banging out wins or playing better. Right? Like it's clearly, it's clearly Adam Gase and the team is not inspired. The team is miserable. They do not like playing for him. I get that. But on the flip side, it's like, well, this is your best chance to change shit around. So, I think what they're doing is is fine, and that's what that's what I would do. Sure. I would just let it ride out with him. Yeah, I mean, I guess if if they want to lock up that number one pick spot, Adam Gase is probably you know their biggest asset, like you said. I don't know if, if many people are are saying it that way because everyone's just like, "Fuck this guy, fire him, cancel everyone, trade everyone." So I don't know if if people are saying it that way, but that's. As, as I was thinking about it yesterday, I think that's that's probably what's going on there, man. If I had to guess. It's like, look, what what are we gonna do? We're gonna fire, we're gonna fire Gase, and then all of a sudden he just bang, the next guy comes in. I, I think if the now that I think of it, because we do have the Chiefs game kicking off in a couple of minutes here, um, maybe Trevor Lawrence, if like they sign up the enemy, right? If they mm-hmm. get a head coach that he likes, yo, how about this? Ready for this? I'm clipping oh this one. This is how you know there's going to be fire. <laughs> You're the Johnson family, the owners of the Jets. Mm-hmm. You got the number one pick. And you just go, yo, Debo. Dabo, Dabo. Sorry, Dabo. Oh, Dabo oh, oh, boy. You're just like, yo, listen, we saw what, Car- look, yo, we saw what Carolina did, right? $10 million, I think it was, over five years, like a $50 million contract to Matt Rule. No NFL experience at all. Mm-hmm. You just go, hey, man, look, here you go. Keys to the kingdom. You got five years. Because if you give someone five years, there's going to be changes. Yeah. And you just go like, yo, Trevor, you don't want to come to the Jets? What if your guy is the head coach? <laughs> and you just pay him. Yo, look, man, you own Johnson & Johnson. You got bread. You just be like, yo, here's... <laughs> Here's five years, 75 million. You give him a Phil Jackson deal where even like, 
I don't know if you knew this because I don't know like where you are as far as like a basketball fan and, and especially like New York media. The word was that Phil Jackson didn't want to be the president of the Knicks and GM, but they just threw him so much money. It was like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> so, yo, if you're the Jets, bro, you call Dabo Sweeney. You get him and Trevor Lawrence in a room. We're like, yo, we're going to make you the number one pick and we're giving you the keys to the kingdom. Why not? Why not, bro? Oof. That's a that's a lot. That's a lot, but how else are you going to turn it around, bro? It's just like I as as sure thing as he looks and I don't doubt that he is like to do all that just to for some guy that you haven't seen play professional football yet is like that's a doozy. If that doesn't work out, man, it's like where I think something you said earlier would be just as effective like a B enemy, you know, something like that. But like, I don't know. I, just, I there, there are other options and I just don't know that like Dabo Sweeney, can you say that this is how I want to fix our team or are you like, or does it really only look like we hired this guy so that Trevor Lawrence wouldn't go back to school or hold out or something? Sure. You could, you could see it that way, but also on the flip side, it's, you're saying, like, if it doesn't work out, why? What they're doing now is working out? So what kind of risk are you taking, really? I guess, but, like, it's kind of the the Saban thing. You know, he wasn't the same in the NFL. Well, if you go back and watch the Saban and Bill Belichick documentary on, I think it's either HBO or Showtime. It's, like, one of those, like, premium mm, channels. Yeah. Dude, Saban was not as bad as people made him out to be with the Dolphins. I agree. Um, and he really wanted Breeze, too. So think about that as a what if. Like, what happens if, what happens if he gets the guy that he wanted in Breeze and then Breeze turns into the quarterback that he is now? And I, I get that a lot of his success is because of Sean Payton, and I'm not going to discredit that. And also playing in the division, which – you know, a lot of turnover year in, year out, except for New Orleans. So I'm not going to discredit them there. But what happens if he finds his his Tom Brady? It, are the Patriots that dominant over the last 15 years if you have to go through a Saban and Breeze where, like, now Brady was the best quarterback in the division and then everyone else was down here? Like, maybe the gap is more even, right? Does Alabama turn into this juggernaut? They don't, obviously, because he's – probably the best coach of all time so it's just a slippery slope of big what ifs so to push back on your point on are you giving up a lot you're risking a lot who a guy who hasn't taken a snap in the nfl and that's fair but i do think that evaluating quarterbacks with the analytics some of the pff shit some of the advanced metric stuff it's there's not a lot of like bad first round quarterbacks really anymore, unless it's the circumstances bad. Like there's talent with these guys, but it's, you know, if Sam Darnold was on Buffalo, he'd be having the same success that Josh Allen has. Okay. I if, get that. if Darnold got drafted by the chiefs, you don't think like for as much as I love Mahomes, and I think he's the goat already. It's nice when you step into a situation where you got Tyreek Hill, Sammy oh, sure. Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid calling the plays for you and not Adam Gase. So if I'm the Jets, bro, that's what I'm doing. 
I get also, the number one pick. I get the number one pick. I'm like, yo, fuck it, bro. What's going to happen? The last 40 years have been a nightmare outside of two good chapters <laughs> where you make the AFC title game. Well, three, three times, right? In, in the night, late 90s, Vinny Testaverde took them to AFC title game. But, yo, here, break the bank. Why not? Try something different, bro, because this shit that you're doing is not working. The only I really don't want to rain on your parade because, like, I'm coming around. You're you're swinging me a little bit, but doesn't uh, don't they have him locked up? Who? Dabo? Isn't he on a big contract? For some reason, I, I feel yeah, like yeah, he there, just there, signed there, a big contract. There's a buyout clause. Yeah. I'm sorry, professional NFL franchise in New York. You don't got the money. You own fucking Johnson and Johnson. Don't be cheap, baby. I guess. I mean, yeah, if you, if you really want to full send it all the way, then full I, I fucking possible. send. And then think about the PR too, right? Like the PR is going to be fucking, you want to capture headlines like in a good way. Just the, just the four months of speculation from, from January, February to when you hired Dabo to the months leading up to, well, they're definitely going to take Trevor Lawrence, right? you just looking at that and you're just like, yo, could this be the next dynasty? Like, you just captured the hearts and imaginations of every NFL franchise. And, and even, like, the talking points you've created. I, I think, honestly, I haven't heard anyone say this yet. I'm going to definitely clip this one. I've never heard that take either. So. The, why not, bro? Yeah, I don't Why know. I just, it feels like a little bit much to me. But at the same time, if somehow that were to come to fruition, I'd be like, okay, wow. Like, and Yo, that's, I'd be captivated if nothing else. But if you think about it also on this one, just to, just to sway you even more, dude, I'm not asking the Chiefs to do this. I'm not asking Baltimore, New Orleans, uh, um, you know, Green Bay even. Like, I'm talking about a, a franchise that hasn't had stability in so long. Even the years that they went to the AFC title game, like, you went in as a wild card, and you just so happened to get every break go your way, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't a team that I'm asking you to blow up and, and change the direction of it because it's going well. This is a team that you can literally change the perception of the franchise the 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 history moving forward of the franchise it's just why not is ultimately the, the take that i have on this and i've laid out a little bit of a blueprint as to why you should think about the connects that he has in the league now like how many guys are from clemson that are fucking studs and also dudes that he probably recruited that he has good relationships with Right, the Jets. No one wants to come to the Jets unless the Jets break the bank for you in free agency. All of a sudden, you become a free agent destination, man. And he could throw money at them early. You know, he could be like, "Yo, look, let's just say hypothetically speaking, let's just say Michael Thomas was a free agent this this summer coming up, right next year." You're just like, you're just like, "Yo, look, what you want? A hundred million? Cool. Just don't punch no teammates. Here you go." But you have that rookie contract too, man. I would, I would do. I want to. I kind of want to pay someone to like write an actual blog piece with my take and like properly structure it because the boy can't write. I can speak it, can't write it because I think it's. 
again, man, I don't, I don't know if anyone's really mentioned this, but why not? Also, last thing, last thing, I promise, because I know we've went off. I'm just getting more aroused as I talk about this topic. If you're, if you're Dabo Sweeney, what more do you have to prove in college? You've won two national championships. You turned uh, a school in Clemson who they weren't, they're not, now they are, but they weren't exactly a Miami, Florida State, Michigan, USC, Alabama. Like even Alabama, when they went through those like down years for them, still Alabama. Whereas like Clemson, now you leave Clemson and I mean, I don't know if they have a statue for him already, but. There'll definitely be one up there. They'll name a a town hall after him and shit. What more do you have to prove there? And and if it fails and it worse comes to worse, it duds, right? Like it duds. He's he's an awful coach. It's too, the moment he's like, yo, I'm going back to college. Fucking private jets to wherever he's at, picking him up, bringing him there. Another sixty million dollar contract to get him to coach your college football team. So what happened with Saban, right? Yeah. Wins a national championship with LSU, leaves, goes to Miami, goes from there, however you feel about it, goes to Alabama, and now the rest is history. All right, just to, just to continue being on the other side, you know, I want you to be able to have your take completely well-rounded since this is something you're clearly excited about. What that statement you just made is fair. What more do you have to prove in college? He has said, as far as I'm aware, that he has no plans to, you know, go looking at the NFL level. But, you know, coaches say a lot of things. So mm-hmm. let's say he does. Maybe he does decide, you know what, Nick's right. I don't have anything to prove. You know, maybe he's listening right now and he decides he has nothing more to prove at Clemson after this year. But why would he go to the Jets? Just because they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, that's exactly why. Is that enough? I would think so. Their relationship seems to be one that is very dynamic and very unique. And this is a guy who he was recruiting since he was 14 years old. Like, yeah. And they, they have that bond and that relationship. And then if you're, if you're Dabo, you're saying to yourself, at least I know what I'm getting with my quarterback. It's true. So, I don't know, man. It kind of it kind of makes sense for me. And again, it's it's the Jets that we're talking about. This isn't a franchise that is. You're not asking the Patriots to blow it up and take this kind of risk. You're asking a team who really hasn't been relevant or been good in a long time. And you're literally at the bottom of the league from a just a standpoint of fucking everything, right? Like. You're unwatchable. You're annoying. Your fan base hates you. Like, it's just so much, so much. So there's that. There's my way longer rant that I thought of on the fly, by the way. I, I, could, I saw the light bulb go off. I, I know that just, that one dude, was shaking. I was just thinking about it because I was trying to – because we were talking about Trevor Lawrence leaving. Well, staying in college. That's how this whole conversation mm-hmm. started. So man, I, I I I like I like it. We'll see. We'll see. Um all right. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation because I did. If you want, watch this on YouTube, youtube.com slash veterans minimum. 
the YouTube channel is going to continue to pump out more and more stuff. We got about another two weeks of this Zoom stuff, and then things are going to change up a little bit. Going to be having a lot of in-person guests. Uh, I got to speak to you afterwards, Taryn. Um, I'm in trouble. A little, a little BTS behind the scenes, brother, brother. Um, but yeah, guys, youtube.com slash veterans minimum. Please go and subscribe there. Like the videos, comment, give us some feedback. And then um, at veterans minimum is we can find everything for the show. Check out the Patreon this month. Um, crew neck, hat, and shirt over $100 value will go to the winner of the October giveaway $10 tier or higher. If you are in the month of October, you'll be eligible for that. And uh, that's really it at the lamp shows where you can find me, Taryn, where can they find you? It's just uh, at Taryn Caravella, T-A-R-E-N-C-A-R-A-V-E-L-L-A. And I think that's it. I don't have anything else to plug besides reading the members of the Patreon's name. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, so big ups to the members of the Patreon. We have a new one, Mike Rona, who, by the way, Taryn, God blessed it when I was out in Vegas. Yeah? Yeah, he um hope he doesn't get in trouble, but he let's just say he works he works at a casino and uh hashtag comp season was in full effect. You know what I'm saying? You know me, dog. Nothing more I like than free shit, baby. Shout out Mike. Orvica, Derek Pleates, Corey Johnson Hoops, Mick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, and Ryan Pisner. And again, shouts to Mike Rona and to Sean. Benner, as well as Alexander Salmina, DM'd me on Instagram and was like, bro, I listened to DFS, my biggest hit ever. He won like 800 bucks on, I think, like $30 entered. So he joined the aforementioned hashtag screenshot life. Life spelled L-Y-F with a number three. You know what I'm saying? Get crazy over here. Guys. We'll catch you next week. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses this weekend. Gaethje, Habib, UFC 254. I've been saying it for about two and a half years now. Gaethje is the only guy who could beat Habib, and I am going to double down on that with some financial investments. You know what I'm saying? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. That's blue wire that's the promo code don't forget to use the promo code blue wire at betonline.ag betonline your online sports book experts you think you got it i got it for real you think you got what i got you think you got it i got it for real you think you got what i got this one for those they forget in my city this one for those they forget this dog off the leash and is ready to kill homie go finish
finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nick, you too ill. Can't let a drop of me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Got it.